All right, Braves fans, let's get rolling. I'm George McNair, and this is State of the Braves. All right, guys, I want to come to you today uh, as we are uh, a few days, a few more days removed from uh, the Braves uh, breaking our hearts once again and losing in the playoffs to the Phillies. I wanted to come back to you guys today and give some more uh, reflections on what I said in the last episode. And, you know, one of the things I was talking about uh, in the last episode was maybe, uh, you know, a type of player that the Braves are lacking. I think I said something like the Braves need more players with an edge. And, um, you know, I wanted to try to give a little more definition to that and what I meant. And and having a, a few more days to think about that, I think it's helped me process through uh, maybe what that means and what it doesn't mean. Now, I've heard a few other people say that the Braves uh, need less humble guys. Uh, they need to be less humble. They need to bring guys in, uh, you know, with this cockiness, uh, maybe that you see with the Phillies and you see with these uh, few of these other teams in baseball. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Well, not necessarily. I don't really agree with that. I think cockiness um, is oftentimes just a mask for people who actually aren't very confident. And so, again, uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I want to work through just a little bit of uh, where I think maybe the Braves are a little weak um, and could improve more. And again, that's not to say, I mean, we, we recognize the Braves were the best team in baseball through the regular season. Um, this is not to attack them and say, oh, I mean, they're terrible. We know that this team is on the edge of an all-time great team. This team um, absolutely could have won the World Series this year, and and that's w one reason why their their early exit was so disappointing. Uh, but I do think it's helpful, right, to to step back and analyze, and I'm sure that's exactly what the Braves are doing right now. Uh, in fact, I know it is. Alex Anthopoulos has talked a good bit, and I'll share some of his quotes. Um, one of his quotes later in this episode, but but it is helpful to step back and really analyze, okay, what went wrong? What can we improve? What's within our, you know, area of control to get better and make sure that this doesn't happen again, right? So uh, in this episode, this episode is going to be a little unique because I'm going to get a little philosophical here, um, but I want to lean on a book by uh, Patrick Lencioni, and it's entitled The Ideal Team Player. You might have heard of this guy before. Uh, he also wrote the book Five Dysfunctions of a Team. That's what he's maybe actually more known for. Um, and so, you know, he's he's had TED Talks. He's uh, kind of considered an expert on teamwork and teams. I think he goes around and studies and talks to teams um, on, at the college level, at the professional level. All around, so I want to give him his due. A lot of this I'm leaning on on him and and some of the things he said before. Uh, you can very easily find his TED talk on YouTube, and I would encourage you to do that too. He's a pretty interesting guy, but I'm gonna lean on him a little bit and, and what he says uh, in this ideal team player book uh, and the TED talk. And he he describes the three most important characteristics of a good teammate. Um, and so I wanna give you those three characteristics. I wanna define each of them for you. And then in a very basic way, and I recognize it is um, an imperfect way, but in a basic way, I wanna to try to identify where I think the Braves 
maybe have some weaknesses among amongst the team, but also uh, recognize that I'm not in the clubhouse. Clearly, this is from a very, even though I am paying a great deal of attention to the Braves and I hear what they say and I kind of feel like I have a feel for some of the players and the team as a whole, I'm not in the clubhouse, right? So the Braves themselves will have a far better idea of these things than I would. And uh, so, yes, I recognize uh, I'm kind of coming at this a little flawed, you know, incomplete information, but I do think it's going to be helpful for us to think through uh, just generally speaking, uh, what does a good team look like? What do good teammates look like? And maybe we can at least generally think of, um, you know, what might the Braves want to add in this off season? I'm not going to go in depth into like specific players in this episode of who the Braves could add. But anyways, like I said, this episode is a little more philosophical in its approach, which makes it maybe unique uh, compared to what we are typically talking about. All right. So the three areas that Lencioni talks about as um, what makes a good teammate is someone who is humble, hungry, and smart. So all three of those kind of wrapped up into one person is what makes a great teammate. And he recognizes that most people don't have all three of these. Most people are really strong in two areas um, or have strengths in two areas and are weak in one area. And so you could uh, recognize that if a team as a whole um, you know, has more people who are weak in the same area, then that is a, a team weakness, right? Okay, so um, let's dive a little deeper into each one of these, and I want to define them. So humble, right? He says actually humility is the most important of all three of these characteristics. Uh, humility is um, being about others and being willing to admit your own faults as a teammate. Uh, this allows you, uh, after failure, to self-analyze and to try to get better. And you can imagine, okay, so here we are as the Braves, right? They are uh, coming off of this failure, uh, a great season, regular season, but a failure in the playoffs. And we've already heard comments from multiple guys who, who basically say this, right? It's time to go back to work. It's time to analyze what went wrong and try to make sure this doesn't happen again, right? So we have already seen some evidence of this humility in action. Um, now, of course, the opposite of humility is um, is arrogance. Uh, so an arrogant teammate not only plays for himself, but also can't see where he needs to get better, right? So those elements might be on the team, um, but I think as a whole, that's probably not what the Braves are about. I think generally speaking, you could say that actually one of the one of the strengths of this team is humility. However, Lencioni makes another point. He says confidence is also a key component of humility, right? Humility, I think a lot of times is kind of viewed as a weakness or this meekness. And that's, uh, he says that's not the case. Humility is not a lack of confidence. Uh, great players are both humble and confident in their own ability. So you can kind of think of this as like the quiet confidence. It's not the guy who, like I said, it's not the cocky guy who's really loud and is going to try to prove to you that he's great. It's the guy that, I mean, I kind of think of like an Albert Pujols, right? He carries himself well, uh, but he's the best player on the field. Um, so 
you know, the Braves have every reason to carry themselves with supreme confidence. They had every reason going into this postseason series to do that. And actually, I don't think they did that. Uh, and and I do think so. While I do think they're a humble team generally, I maybe they do have some issues with confidence under the surface. Uh, and, you know, I, I mentioned this a good bit last time, the Harper RC incident. I think this could be evidence that there's uh, maybe some lack of confidence within the team or maybe with certain players. Maybe it's specific to Arcia. I don't know. but um, And I also think that their performance generally could be some evidence that they uh, they weren't fully confident going into this series. So while I think the Braves are very strong as an organization in humility, and I, I do think humility is really important and really good for the Braves to be strong in. I think that several of them did shrink under the pressure of the moment. I mean, I think it's just hard to argue otherwise. Um, and I think uh, improving in carrying that confidence on the field um, together as a unit is something they could improve on. Now, again, cockiness? No, right? Being cocky is actually an over-exaggeration of confidence. And actually, I think it often reveals someone who lacks confidence or is trying to cover for it. I think we've all experienced, if you ever have played basketball at the Y or something, you know, with the guy who actually isn't that good, but he's he's the loudest talker and then he can't back it up. Okay, nobody likes that guy on their team. It doesn't do anybody any good. It's not helpful. So I don't think cocky, the cocky guy is what you necessarily need. I mean, it's not bad to have someone who is loud that can back it up. Um, but I think, uh, you have to have a lot of substance behind that talk. Um, I think of Deion Sanders as probably a good example of that. Now, sometimes I think Deion talks a little too much, but there's a lot of substance behind what he says. And he's incredibly, of course, as a player, uh, he was incredibly talented and could often back up what he was saying. So I think he's probably a good example of of that. Um, I wouldn't necessarily think of Deion Sanders as a humble guy, um, but I think um, in some areas he probably was in that he was willing to see some of his faults and continue to get better over time. So sometimes I think we mess up what humility actually looks like. Okay, so again, the second of these areas is hungry, right? Hungry is having a strong internal work ethic that constantly drives you, right? Someone who is hungry, uh, they never feel like they've made it or that they've arrived. They're not satisfied with temporary success. Uh, they never do the minimum amount of work, right? They're always working to get better. So actually there's uh, humility and, and being hungry kind of work together a little bit. And when I think about teams that won multiple championships, which we would love the Braves to accomplish, right? Um, and because of their talent, they have an, uh, an opportunity to maybe accomplish that. Um, these teams are typically led by players whose hunger does not fade after they win. So here are three names I'll give you. And you guys might love these guys. You might not. But I think they at least exemplified this hunger that didn't fade. Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Derek Jeter, right? Multiple championships. Um, all of them won multiple back-to-back -back championships. And they were never really satisfied, right? They always worked hard. Um, right after they won the championship, they were right back to work. 
And um, I think 2022 is, pr is probably accurate to say the Braves hunger um, dissipated a good bit in 2022. I think it was back in, in some ways, at least this, this past year. And I think losing the way they did in the playoffs this year probably is going to bring that back even more. But the, the fact is it was, it would be nice if you had enough guys on this team where the hunger was just burning all the time and they could just rip you know rip three or four championships off in a row now baseball it's really hard to do that and, and baseball hasn't had a back-to-back -back champion for a long time but again if any team can do it in terms of talent on the field it's the braves and so i'm not saying the braves don't have hunger i'm not saying they don't have work ethic uh but do they have that kind of next level uh hunger uh that you would like to see that could mean multiple championships over the next several years. All right, and then the third one is players who are smart. So smart players, this isn't necessarily just pure intelligence. This is talking about players who are emotionally intelligent, right? Players who know what to say and when to say it at the right time to get the most out of their teammates. And um, this is when I thought about players who are smart, I thought about Jock Peterson. His name has come up a lot, and I think Jock probably represents all three of these on some level, which is why he's considered such a great teammate. And, and you know, us Braves fans can kind of long for him to to be a Brave once again. And I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but um, when we start putting, and you'll you'll also hear a lot of players, you know, guys who've played. Um, any kind of sport, but especially guys who've, who've played uh, professionally, they talk about great teammates and they're kind of rare. And I think probably great teammates are kind of guys who fit all three of these, right? They bring out the best in their teammates because they're emotionally intelligent. They know when to joke. They know when to get serious. They know when to light a fire under somebody. And I just wonder if going into this, uh, this really difficult, challenging series with the Phillies, if the Braves had emotionally intelligent players in the clubhouse who were saying the right things, keeping guys loose when they needed to, or, you know, whatever. So, so those are the three big elements, right? Uh, humble, hungry, and smart. Now, like I've already said, I'm not in the clubhouse. So I want to exercise my own humility to say, I really don't and can't know um, where the Braves are lacking in these areas. But certainly I would think that the Braves themselves, whether it's Alex Anthopoulos or Brian Snicker or others that are in that clubhouse would have a better idea of where their weaknesses lie. Um, and, you know, so, but I do want to try to give you some of my own thoughts on this. Okay. So just from a basic standpoint, humility, I think the Braves are pretty strong uh, in this area. But again, I do think some players lack confidence, which is connected to this kind of strong yet humble figure that um, I want them to portray, right? So so the confidence area might be lacking inside of humility, but I, I do think generally this is a strength of the team. Uh, hunger, I would also say generally I think it's strong, uh, but here's the thing. 
This is probably where Philadelphia has this in spades, right? And you're seeing it play out right now in the playoffs. Philly just beat Arizona 10-0. They, they have a 2 to nothing lead in the NLCS. Um, certainly the Philly fans are are pushing them along as well. But, but Philly is clearly hungry, and they were clearly the hungrier team between themselves and the Braves, right? And so you need guys in that Braves clubhouse that are going to bring the fire, that are going to bring that hunger every single day. And, you know, baseball is such a long season, right? 162 games. You can have that fire all the way through the regular season, and it can be running out by the time you get to October. And um, it is human nature to be kind of worn out and tired by that point. And you need guys that are going to, you know, drag you along and have that fire and are going to push everybody in that clubhouse to excel, to, to succeed. And again, hunger is about work ethic. And anybody who knows anything will say, if you are, you know, if you work hard and you are prepared, you are going to perform better in those big moments. You're going to have the confidence, right? You're going to have um, all of the things necessary to succeed in the big moments. All right. And then again, smart. And I do wonder if maybe this is a weaker point for the Braves. Again, smart being emotional intelligence in the clubhouse. Uh, you know, and so if they are weak in this area, bring in players who will say the right thing at the right time to improve the mental and emotional state of the team in pressure pack moments. And I just, I personally think that that's one thing that the 2021 Braves had, uh, you know, a better, they had, a, they had a more emotionally smart clubhouse. It just worked better. And, um, you know, as a unit. And I don't want to give Jock Peterson all the credit for that. Uh, maybe Jorge Soler had a big part in it. Maybe Tyler Matzik, maybe Will Smith. I, you know, maybe it was just um, as a group, they kind of worked better together. But I do think this is something that is very real. Um, and it's something I wonder if they were a little weaker in this year. So, you know, of course, uh, the other point is even with all of these things in place, right? Even if you create the perfect team with all three of these aspects, it does not guarantee us, does not guarantee the Braves are going to win a championship. Um, it's, it puts you in a better situation. I think it would make it far less likely that, um, that the Braves would enter October and just fall flat like they just did. Uh, I think some people have wondered, like, how have the Astros been able to uh, have so much sustained success for multiple years? You know, they've they've reached the NL or the ALCS for a seventh straight year. Uh, maybe they just simply have this balance a little better in their clubhouse than the Braves do. Um, that might be an over oversimplification of things, but I think it's at least worth thinking about. And cer certainly, the guy who's got to think about it more than anybody is Alex Anthopoulos. So right now I want to comment on Anthopoulos' comments. He sat down with the Brace Beat writers just a few days ago and gave a few little nuggets. He's never going to give a ton in terms of what his plans are for the offseason, but I definitely want to talk about this just a little bit. And if you can't tell, guys, I've been a little sick. My voice hopefully is going to last long enough to do this full episode. Um, 
But anyways, all right, well, let's let's continue on. So Alex Anthopoulos, right, sits down with the Braves beat writers. And, you know, the Braves clearly have already gotten into a room. Uh, the big wigs, you know, Anthopoulos, Snicker, I'm sure some of their head scouts, uh, probably some of their other coaches have gotten into a room to analyze what went wrong, right? Why were the Braves so unsuccessful in this NLDS? And, uh, you know, they will likely continue the process of meeting and talking through things for the next weeks and maybe even months as the um, the offseason is coming. And uh, actually, you know, there will be some pretty quick decisions the Braves will have to make after the World Series concludes. Uh, a couple of extensions and that sort of thing that the Braves are going to have to, um, or options, player options that the Braves are going to have to decide on. But, of course, Anthopolis is the ultimate decision maker. And Alex did seem to hint that he had already identified at least one issue with the team. And I'm just going to quote him. So he said, I definitely have a specific takeaway on how we might approach the offseason, what we might do. So <laughs> the big question, of course, um, I'm not quoting him anymore. Okay, in, in a quote. So the big question is, what is that specific takeaway? Now, you guys already know kind of where I stand, right? Uh, my takeaway is that the problem is not the talent on the team. I think Anthopolis would agree with that, right? This team won 104 games. Uh, the issue is not chemistry or character problems. Everybody will say it's a great clubhouse. It's a great place uh, to play. I remember, you know, Nicky Lopez comes in from Kansas City and he's like, this is the best place to play ever. I love being here. I think most guys have that thought when they enter the Braves clubhouse. So to me, again, kind of what I've already said in this episode, uh, the issue is more of a team makeup problem and just how all the pieces uh, work together, especially in pressure-packed moments like the postseason. So um, to me, changing the roster is what's going to be required, number one, right? Um, in not big ways, I'm not saying like get rid of everybody, but, but there will probably need to be a few adjustments, a few changes. And that really is a tough task for Anthopolis, right? It's easier when you have a very clear weakness and you just have to address that weakness. Um, the Braves don't have too many obvious weaknesses outside of maybe needing a starter. Um, but to evaluate off the field impacts and just the the clubhouse dynamics that's not super easy to figure out um just on the fly um now i will say jock peterson and jorge soler uh, are free agents this offseason peterson peterson is an outright free agent soler is likely going to decline his player option to be a free agent um maybe that's too simple to to go back to you know, the 2021 Braves and just bring them back. Maybe that's really not the answer, but I think it's intriguing. Um, Cody Bellinger is another option that I think might fit. Um, he has been a part of a winning clubhouse. He's a really good player. He's uh, left field, depending on what the Braves do with Eddie Rosario. But he also is probably going to be a really expensive player, so I don't know if that's realistic. You know, I'm going to have some some deeper thoughts on what the Braves should do with their roster in upcoming episodes as we get deeper into the offseason. 
But, you know, it is just the thought of there will probably need to be some roster changes uh, to address this underlying issue. And like I've already mentioned, you know, other, another thing he might be addressing here with this quote is he could be thinking of adding a starter. Uh, maybe that's the big thing. You know, game three was a killer for the Braves. It was the one game where they really weren't in the game. And um, and so I do wonder if, uh, if maybe that's what he's talking about. What I know about Alex Anthopoulos is that he is a dispassionate decision, decision maker, right? Uh, we saw that with the Freddie Freeman decision, with the Dansby Swanson decision. He can set aside emotion and he can make what he feels like is the best decision moving forward for the team. So I think he will dig down deep to understand the problems that the Braves are having in the postseason and attempt to address it. Now, of course, that's no guarantee he'll address it in the right way, but I think he will give it a very clear-headed approach uh, for sure. And, you know, I, I'm very thankful for this because I think that this is what John Sherholtz and Bobby Cox were never really willing to do. And they're both Hall of Famers. I, I, you know, I love and appreciate them for what they did for the Braves culture. And, you know, do I have to say this again, right? 14 straight division championships and all that stuff. But one thing they were never really willing to do is, you know, in the middle of those championships and some postseason failures, look at how they were operating to prepare the Braves for the postseason, how Bobby Cox maybe managed during the postseason. Um, they just kind of went along and it nothing ever changed, right? And we we had one great World Series win in 1995, but that's all they had to show for it. And of course, it wasn't all their fault, right? I mean, the players would probably say, we were the ones who didn't get it done in 91. We were so close. In 96, we, we should have beat the Yankees. Okay, all that being said, they still only walked away with one championship. And there was a lot of early exits, especially in the back end of of that run of what could have been, right? So I think this is really a helpful thing to have someone at the helm like Alex Anthopoulos to really honestly analyze, don't steer away from it, honestly analyze what went wrong and maybe we can tackle it. He mentioned in this interview that, you know, one one weakness the Braves have had over the last few seasons was, was um, slow starts to the regular season and then having to dig out of that hole. And they were able to kind of figure that out and overcome that in 2023. And it's a big reason why they were able to win so many games this year. Um, but of course, now here's another challenge, right? How do we overcome uh, just underperforming in the playoffs? So, you know, learn from your failures. But I also think it's really smart to try to learn from the teams that beat you. And that's a harder thing to do. Um, none of us Braves fans love to look at the Phillies, honestly, and say, you know, they're doing some good things over there. But clearly, uh, the Phillies are built for October better than the Braves. Now, I will repeat this, Braves fans. I think the Braves are a better team, right? I think they are a more talented team. Yet, that doesn't necessarily matter, right? Uh, I think A.J. Mentor mentioned this, that, when the Braves won in 2021, they were not the most talented team, but they won it, right? And so that could happen to the Phillies this year. 
And so what is that, right? When we say they're better built for October, what do we mean by that? Well, here's a couple things I think is true of the Phillies and how they are built for October in a good way. They have strikeout pitchers that play up in the postseason as hitters expand the strike zone. And we saw this happen to the Braves. Uh, you know, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, and their entire bullpen, uh, they they can strike dudes out, right? Especially their bullpen is, I mean, it's all like guys throwing 90, 99 miles an hour from both sides. And so they might not be incredibly consistent out of the bullpen in the regular season. You might have some control issues and that sort of thing, but they have big league, you know, big time arms that can strike you out in the postseason. And when the pressure ramps up, um, most teams, uh, most teams do expand the strike zone. And we saw, unfortunately, the Braves did that and they were not able to get many hits and do much damage against that Phillies, um, that Phillies pitching staff. Uh, the other thing I think the Phillies have emotionally smart players that embrace the big moments and get better in the postseason. Um, I think the Braves have a couple guys like that, right? I think Eddie Rosario is that guy, but he didn't get much play in this postseason. Um, and again, you know, Jorge Soler and Jock Peterson aren't here anymore. And I think the Braves really need to embrace that in a bigger way of, of identifying guys who who get better when the lights are the brightest. Um, I think the Phillies clearly have a killer instinct to win instead of playing not to lose. It, it just really felt like the Braves were playing not to lose and the Phillies were hunting them down, right? Phillies felt like the hunter and uh, the Braves felt like the hunted and it shouldn't have felt that way. Um, the Braves, again, I believe were the better team in terms of talent, but the Phillies looked like the better team in that NLDS. And then the Phillies have this cocky attitude that no one's going to beat us no matter what. And, you know, I've already mentioned this. I think cockiness is not necessarily a strength, um, but I think in short spurts it can carry you. And I think it's helped the Phillies, and, and I think the Phillies fans really are uh, carrying them through uh, in a lot of ways. Now, I think with cockiness, this may, you know, your luck can run out with that, right? They may end up winning it all this year, but I do think that a cocky attitude can come back to bite you. I, it may or may not happen in this postseason, um, but we'll see, right? The last thing I think that the Phillies have going for them is they just embrace the emotion of October. It's like they want it. They are looking forward to it. It is kind of um, where they are most comfortable. They just have more players like that. And I think the Braves have to do a better job of identifying those guys and, um, and keeping them around. So I don't think the Braves have to abandon their commitment to high character. Um, I think that's one of the things I want to get across in this episode that maybe it sounded like I was saying that in the last episode. I think they have their core and it's a really strong core, but I just think they need maybe a couple guys, a couple new guys in the clubhouse who are, who are going to take up the, the intensity a few notches and be those smart, emotionally intelligent guys um, who are going to lift the team to another level when it matters 
the most. And maybe they just simply don't have that, especially from the position player side of things in the clubhouse. The other thing I think that the Phillies have going for them is that they embrace the urgency of October, and this is more directed to their manager. Uh, they manage games like it's the most important game, right? Every game in front of them is the most important game, and we're going to do everything to win this game. And um, it's not that you're totally throwing out tomorrow's game, but it's just what is in front of you is the most important thing. And that's 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 opposite of, of how you typically manage in the regular season, right? And Snicker does a good job in the regular season of seeing the big picture and working towards 162 games. But in the postseason, that has to go out the window, right? And I don't think it has. And I think the elder pitching decision in game three is the perfect evidence of this, uh, right? Uh, in the regular season, Elder is struggling. You keep putting putting him out there because you want him to turn things around. You want him to know that you have his back, that you're confident in him because you need him for the long haul. But in the postseason, you can't play that game anymore, right? You just have to win the game. Uh, you know, Philly uh, is has said a couple of their pitchers who've been struggling over, you know, the, the second half of the season. We didn't see them at all in that series and yet we put elder out in game three and you can argue well you just kind of didn't have a better option because morton was injured but i think there were better options and you know my my um before the game ever happened i said we should throw out brad hand as a as an opener bring in a lefty to face you know um schwarber and harper and then lean on A.J. smith Shaver for several innings and then have a bullpen game after that. That's what I would have done, and I said it in the moment. Um, and I wish that they had done that, and maybe game three would have gone differently, and you at least get to a game five in Atlanta and see what happened. But Snicker didn't manage it that way, and I do think that is a weakness, and he's got to address how he uh, how he deals with those games. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's what I mean by Philly – Along with their fans, which um, are man, they're they're annoying, right? They're they're jerks. I mean, if you saw that video of how they were treating Strider um, in his bullpen session warming up, I mean, it's kind of honestly, it's kind of gross sometimes. I mean, I'm not throwing all Phillies fans under the bus for that, but it does. It is an element of uh, what I'm sure the Braves were experiencing during that game, and I don't think it's an element that really exists if you go to a game in Atlanta, but. On the other side of things, and you give them credit for this, they are invested in their team and they are emotionally lifting up that team in a major way. So, um, so that's just another another thing that the Phillies have going for them right now. But the Braves had a lot of uplift too in 2021, and the more you're dominating on the field, the easier it is for fans to cheer and lift you up even more, right? Well, guys, um, just in closing for this episode, Look, the, the positive here is the Braves are truly a talented team that is going to be in a position uh, to enter October every year for the foreseeable future. It's just a matter of can they figure out this postseason uh, failure that they have experienced, right? The Braves have the best, rocker, best roster in baseball for years to come. Uh, the change is required. It does not require a teardown. It just requires some tweaking, right? A few acquisitions to the roster, which probably means a couple couple departures, uh, which will be 
a very interesting and challenging thing for Anthopolis to decide. And it requires Snicker to shift how he pre prepares his team and manages the playoffs. So those are the things, uh, you know, that I've kind of come to, and it's been really helpful to process through that. I hope this idea that, you know, that I put forth to you guys, these, these, um, three characteristics of a great teammate. I hope that helped a little bit too. I hope it wasn't too deep in the weeds. And again, I think the Braves have a great core of talent and some really good dudes with strong character. And I, I would, you know, I'm, I'm so glad we have that. And a lot of teams don't, right? Um, not every, not every guy's, you know, I'm not saying they're perfect, right? They're all flawed and all that stuff. We all know that. But um, I think they're a solid group of dudes. And we are only two years removed from winning a championship. And all that has to tell you is we're not that far away. But maybe it just requires a couple tweaks and a couple changes. And um, the magic can come back, right? When you go back and you watch the highlights of the 2021 playoffs, there was a lot of magic to that team. Um, there was some fortune probably that happened during those playoffs. But there was some magic to that clubhouse. And I think... Just trying to reclaim that. It's, it's um, there's no perfect formula to doing that, but hopefully Anthopolis and Snicker and those guys can figure it out, and uh, we can get back to uh, to winning a World Series in 2024. Uh, all right, guys. Well, we do have uh, the rest of the postseason to go. Um, I will simply be rooting against the Phillies, and um, and I don't know. I mean, it, it looks like they've got something magical going on right now too. Uh, but it is pretty frustrating to turn on any kind of social media and just see Phillies highlights. So uh, the the Rangers are also playing really good baseball, up two nothing on the Astros, and maybe the Rangers can take care of business. I'll, I'll be okay with that. All right, guys. Well, anyways, I appreciate you uh, watching and uh, tuning in, listening to another episode of State of the Braves, and I'll talk to you soon.